time now for History Matters. We are joined in the studio on this always historic day by the one and only Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, to look back on this week in history. Good morning. How are Good you? I haven't morning. taken a breath for the last 30 minutes. We had breaking news. We've got traffic. It's raining. Go go have a cup of coffee now. All right, good. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm glad to see you and uh, glad the weather is uh, is what it is. It's always good. <laughs> Whatever the, the weather station, we're experiencing it, it's all right. good. That's right. And the yeah. station is always broadcasting good news all the time because it's interesting. And this is a great station to listen to anytime. Uh, even if you replay these at another time, you'll go, oh, these segments, yeah, this yeah. is this is a fun station. So. Well, they'll go back too far back and replay like the morning news because we've got the full <laughs> morning new, or news archives going back several years. But really? I'm sure if you go back and listen to like 2022, it just gets increasingly ironic as you get further back. Like, <laughs> well, I'm sure this will never happen, but there just the possibility that, who yeah. Does that. Yeah. Goes, well, 100 years ago, WCHL was doing this. <laughs> um, well, here is something that comes up this week uh, that we have had a teaser about all month long, which is about what happens in 1865, um, and specifically at the very end of the war. And if you recall, we talked briefly about uh, uh, the events at Appomattox that seemed to end the war, but not quite. Uh, that's on April 9th, uh, and then about a week later, uh, you have a Union general and a Confederate general meeting at Bennett Place in what is now Durham. It was halfway between Hillsborough, where the Confederate Army was encamped, and Raleigh. And these uh, uh, generals work out a kind of a solution to end the war in terms of uh, no more conflict. But by that point, unfortunately, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, is uh, shot, assassinated, and killed. And uh, there are other cabinet members who are also attacked. It's a real conspiracy. So um, uh, this whole deal falls apart, and Grant is sent down by train to basically surmise the situation. Uh, they're not quite even sure who all is involved in this conspiracy. And uh, is, is William Takuma Sherman, has he gone native? Has he part of this plot? Well, of course he's not. And he was just trying to end a war. Uh, and returning property was his way of thinking of Lincoln's generosity. But people up north who are dealing with a real conspiracy are saying, is this code for going back to the way things are? We're never going back to that. Mm -hmm. And so Grant comes down, and of course Sherman assures him, that was never his point, never his intention. He's a general. He's trying to end a war. And, uh, he and so Grant makes it clear, it's got to be the same terms as Appomattox. So he relays this to his counterpart, uh, General Joe Johnson, who relays it to uh, uh, Jefferson Davis, the, the fleeing presidency of the Confederacy as it's crumbling, uh, who tells him, oh, well, in that case, uh, you go ahead, General Johnson, flee with the cavalry, let the infantry fend for themselves, and uh, we'll continue the Civil War somewhere else. Now, this is insanity. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, General Joe Johnson realizes it doesn't say much. He rides back and specifically uh, just totally goes against whatever Jefferson Davis says and says to, to uh, General Grant, I'll sign anything you want. And so on. That happens on April 26th, 1865. Now, the reason why... That's overshadowed by another event. It's why we haven't heard about it as much is because um, that's the date on April 26th when 
uh, John Wilkes Booth, uh, is captured, caught, and killed. And so that gets the headline news. But what happens at uh, Bennett Place in Durham, this uh, very quiet surrender that occurs leads to the largest surrender of troops across the South, really effectively ending the Civil War in more ways than one. 89,000 troops across the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida. Kind of remarkable if yeah. you look at it. It's incredible like to think about being alive in 1865, oh, yeah. especially like in April at this time, and just yes. everything that had happened over the previous four years. Yes. And just everything that was just right. one thing on top of the next, on top of the next, Appomattox and Lincoln's right. assassination and the search for Booth and trying to figure out exactly what happened with yeah. that. Meanwhile, all of these different negotiations are happening. Now, that that must have been just a... And, and of course, you know, it, just because that occurs does not mean that slavery is abolished right. everywhere. Because the Emancipation Proclamation that took effect... In, uh, in January of 1863, only freed uh, enslaved people in states in rebellion. So that left a big question mark. It takes then until December of 1865 for the 13th Amendment to go into effect mm -hmm. abolishing slavery. Uh, thank goodness. And, and even uh, in those, oh. even in the, the, the rebel states, like the, the, I mean, we celebrate Juneteenth, which yes. is the, the day that slaves in Galveston learned That's about right. their freedom. That didn't happen until after this. Like, That's that was right. still a couple of months later oh, down yes, the road. It still takes time. And, yeah. of course, as we know, the, it, that, that march of history. Um, and which brings me to another person whose birthday comes up this week, who we immediately associate with somebody else. But... Let me just kind of give you a kind of in the tradition of Paul Harvey, the teaser is she grew up in Alabama. She had a wonderful singing voice and she goes to Antioch College and then she goes to the New England Conservatory of Music and maybe she would have gone on to other uh, endeavors and we would have heard from her. But she meets another person from Alabama who's going to Boston University, the School of Theology. These two so far, you're describing the plot of Forrest Gump. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is not bad. Okay, but, good, but, good. Uh, and uh, and he might have gone on to something else entirely different. He was getting his doctorate, uh, but instead they meet and they return to Alabama. He was offered positions. My understanding of even college presidencies because he was so brilliant. He goes back to Alabama to assume a pastorate. Of course, his name is Martin Luther King, mm. and the woman is Coretta Scott King, mm. who has a distinguished career herself. You know, we, she wasn't just the wife of. Um, and long after uh, Dr. King's assassination, she's the one who spearheads the King Center and also uh, making sure there's a King holiday. A remarkable woman in her own right, but. A person who had the circumstances been different, she might have taken a different route, and we might have not heard of her. Born on this day in 1927. That's right. Yep. And here's another one that uh, comes up that is a name we don't probably hear a lot of. Uh, her name is Odette Sampson. Well, Oscar, let me just put, uh, these are kind of, both have uh, birthdays on the same day. Oscar Schindler, born 1908. And remember the movie by Steven Spielberg about this German industrialist who saves so many uh, Jews from the concentration cramp, and uh, he's honored many years later. Well, there's another woman born on that same date, uh, April 28th, Odette Sampson, um, in 1912, and uh, she is fluent uh, in French, and she's uh, in the United Kingdom, and she goes over as a special agent. And we would not have heard about her because uh, she is betrayed, and she is captured and uh, tortured by the Gestapo, 
put into terrible situations, except that she survives it all and ends up testifying against the very people who were uh, atrocious guards and leading to their execution after the mm. war for war crimes. Kind of remarkable. But the astonishing thing is, is that you wouldn't have thought so uh, by uh, the way who she was as a child because she survived uh, terrible illnesses um, and in some ways uh, credits her survival in these uh, places where she was being tortured to, well, this is just like I was as a kid. It was just surviving minute to minute, not mm. even thinking next week, next hour, minute to minute. Uh, these are the kind of remarkable people. And there's got to be, can I, let's say you've one got, more? You've got, okay. we've got time for one more, okay, so go good. for it. Yeah. All right, and this is one that is uh, that pops up this week. Uh, it's the release of, uh, well, it was when they, a, a patent was issued in 1913 to a fellow named Gideon Sunbeck. Now, if any of you have anything that have zippers on them, this is the guy you can credit with that. Because before then, there were no zippers as we know them today. Mm. He's the guy who comes up with the first modern edition of a zipper, uh, but it had a terrible, terrible name. It was called the Hookless Number 2. And this was in 1914. <laughs> I mean, he even start, tried to establish a company. That's my second favorite Lou Bega song. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say, like, what do you have there? Oh, I've got a hookless number two on my jacket. <laughs> and, uh, and it just did not catch on. Um, so to speak. Uh, so to speak, that's right. In fact, actually, there was, uh, one source said there was real pushback against this being used because it helped get clothes off faster. <laughs> but it was um, the U.S. Army who started using it, and then it was B.F. Goodrich that was making a boot, and they didn't like this hookless number two, so they came up with the term zipper. zipper. And that caught on, and certainly World War II made it so much more accessible, and you might say the rest is history. And that's how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so thank much. You.